This is The Juice, Episode 2. Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Duncan. I am joined today by my co-host, Miss Kate Gardner. Hello, Kate. Hello, Brett, and welcome, everyone. We're so glad you're here. Yes, thank you, Kate. And we're excited about today's episode, just like we are any other episode. But, uh, you know, the juice is all about providing fresh intel for today's direct selling executives. And we have a direct selling executive with us today who's going to be sharing a lot, especially on the strategic front. Uh, and that is Victoria Vilbrandt. Victoria is Vice President of Marketing Strategy and Solutions at Princess House. Hello, Victoria. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Brad. Hi, Kate. Hi. How are you doing today, Victoria? I am doing great and um, just looking forward to our time together to chat. And what better way to chat than uh, to talk about strategy and direct selling and growing our business? So looking forward to it. Awesome. That's an excited guest right there. I like it. Uh, I excellent. Love it. Victoria, for P, I gave kind of just a brief overview of what you're doing right now, but fill in some of the blanks. Get, kind of tell us your story, both within direct sales, outside of it, you know, professional, personal, whatever you want to share there. Fill us in on who you are. Well, I joined Princess House almost three years ago, and um, what an experience it's been. As you know, Princess House is a very unique organization in direct selling. We focus mainly on the Hispanic market in the U.S., and uh, we truly cater to their needs in a very special way. So that has been a wonderful experience. And before that, I was with some uh, pretty large organizations in direct selling. Uh, was with Silpata Designs uh, out of Kansas City. Well, they were owned by Avon. And prior to that, I spent some time with Tupperware, where I had both a global role and also uh, headed their U.S. and Canadian marketing. Um, so spent some time in direct selling. But then prior to that, I was with Black. Black & Decker in their consumer kitchen um, category and uh, again being able to marry my passion for product and of course uh, for marketing and being able to put those together in, in this uh, sphere what we call direct selling which is such a, uh, a personal emotional business which is what captures my heart um, so again a little bit of a, a diverse background but have really focused on uh, marketing and marketing to me is the heartbeat of any organization. It's really being able to understand consumers and sometimes our consumers are just our consultants, right? And, and knowing what they want and uh, how they want it and being able to deliver the experience that gets them hooked, loyal, and truly ambassadors of the organization of your and your brand. So um, that's what I've been doing for many years. And you know what they say, once you love what you do, you no longer work. So that's that's where I'm at. Well said. Yeah, that that is great. So I'm curious, um, having come from you know Black and Decker and outside of direct sales, coming into direct sales, what was one of especially early on? What was kind of one of the biggest? Uh, I don't know the learning curve. What did you struggle with the most as far as that learning curve and, and understanding the difference between direct sales and maybe other channels of business? Uh, good question. I think the biggest piece, of course, is that 
um, unlike when you're working um, and, and developing and creating uh, strategic plans that will support um, what you would call a retail setting, uh, where you could work for you know years, literally years, on on a new product launch, on a new initiative, and you're basically at the mercy of a buyer. Um, sometimes the buyer you know could make a decision within a few minutes of something that has taken you so long, and uh, being able to build that plan to sell to a retail, and then you know, and, and within the last few years of of what you would call um, retail. Hill, it's changed quite a bit. Brands could be on a shelf for just weeks before they prove themselves or they prove themselves out of the business. So that that power of one single buyer being able to control the destiny of a company or a brand is quite different uh, than direct selling. You know, direct selling, we have the ability to interact with consultants. We have, the, in, in our case, consultants, distributors, where we are working directly with them. And we have, um, in many ways, if we're a student and wise, of course, we're going to develop programs, initiatives, and products that make sense for them, but we're talking directly to our consumers. Um, so that's a, that's a huge shift. Uh, and of course, a big difference uh, just from big brands, big box brands, or, or, or uh, consumer brands in ours is our focus on what you would call a media, a strong media push. Not that it doesn't exist, um, it's just a very different way of looking at brand building and brand loyalty. Hmm. That's really good. Kate, you spent some time a little bit, didn't you, kind of working with uh, some retailers? I mean, what was your experience? Well, certainly, you know, very, very similar. Uh, the, the beauty of our business is we are in direct contact with the actual consumer of the product. And uh, like it or not, they are very uh, verbal, vocal <laughs> about what they like and what they don't like. And what we all quickly learn, and Victoria, I know you all know this and have known it for years, is they vote with their feet. If we don't respond, if we don't react um, in some way, shape or form, it may not be doing exactly what they've asked us of us, but it certainly must be an acknowledgement of their voice uh, that we must provide to them. We're so tightly uh, connected to them, whereas we, we seem to be a look in the, the typical retail world. I, I, I took product out of a direct, uh, out of a retail world into a direct marketing. And I, you know, I loved it because all of a sudden I had you know, wonderful conversations that I could turn into actionable uh, strategy as I, as I you know, move the business forward. So I think that's and speaking of what you'll be speaking to today, Victoria, I think that's a huge piece is having that uh, that connect to the people who are really out there you know, verbalizing, sharing, uh, pushing your product for us. Uh, absolutely. I, I must say, though, there are some learnings uh, from a consumer product perspective that it would be good from a, from, for our business to embrace uh, more so. Um, one of the the elements that I think that we could, as an org, as a industry, and definitely even within our own organization, do do more of, um, is the consumer centric research and understanding. At the end of the day, that's what many consumer brands are really good at: is identifying gaps, needs, and wants, and creating innovation from that. Uh, and and I think that's a definitely an opportunity for direct selling. And like I said earlier, definitely an opportunity for us. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it's it's it almost seems like a, a story every direct sales company has on bringing in someone maybe with marketing experience on consumer packaged goods or something like that. And, uh, you know, a lot of times in the past, at least they more times than not have not done well, um, but it's not because the principles 
won't work in our channel. It's it's because of you know onboarding or you know acceptance of the model or whatever. But I think so many people throw the principles out too and think that those consumer principles won't work in direct sales. But in a lot of ways, they should apply in this channel more than anywhere else, right? Absolutely, because you have the power of word of mouth, and there's nothing more important than that. Uh, not, not only the fact that you could hear from them directly, but the ability for them to be able to capture that that you're delivering, and they are delivering it with word of mouth, with their uh, obviously through their influence, uh, their circle of influence, more so than any product that you could put on a shelf or any product that you could put online. And yes, you might have reviews, but you never know exactly what's behind those reviews. We have a, absolutely a powerful opportunity in a powerful channel so why wouldn't we utilize it and capitalize it from the beginning and that is through the power of research through the power of insights and marrying those two to make sure that by the time that you launch again whether it's a program an initiative or a product that you feel comfortable and you feel like you have validated that process and made any alterations or changes as a result of understanding what they want and how they want it um, and again i think that's an opportunity for all of us in direct selling there's definitely some companies that i'm sure are doing it but we as an organization um, we as an industry should do more of it that is awesome that is great well let's jump into oh did you have something kate sorry well, I, said, I, I was just saying spot on I, it, I it's just it's music to my ears let's talk about um you know when i kind of prepped you victoria with a simple question for this show and that is what are some big wins that your company's had in the last 12 to 24 months uh you know and what's maybe one or two things that have really impacted that success uh, you quickly brought up the strategic process that you've been going through during roughly that time period. Share a little bit uh, with us just about that process, kind of open our eyes to really what made, I mean, every company has a strategy, right? So what made this last year or two different in terms of how you and the rest of Prince's House approached strategy? Well, I have to first um, say, and, and I think it's important to say, as a 53-year-old party plan company, for us to have plans of growth, we have seen growth uh, for the last few years, and um, we are very excited that as we, we're kind of wrapping up uh, 2016, we are on target to meet our double digit growth and again for a party plan company that's 53 years um old it's 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 um a huge um and uh, very exciting um number to to achieve so I, it's important to say that to start with awesome. what we have done uh, as um as an executive team and definitely have brought that to the leadership team and, and to our um, all of our associates. It's a, uh, a new process, what we call, um, that we have been working with um, Tony Jerry, who has been a, a really great partner um, to us. We have been working on what you, we call um, strategic acceleration. And um, it, it started um, in terms of us as an organization, knowing that we wanted growth. And um, I think that's important for any company to understand exactly what, what it is that you want to achieve, uh, what is the, not only what is it that you want to achieve, but uh, why you want to achieve it. So for the last um, year, you know, uh, close to a year, we um, have been working on this process that has been outlined. And what's 
exciting about it is not not only the principles, and I could talk about that in a second, but the what the principles have done for our organization in terms of bringing the executive team to have a very um, concise and, and um, what you would call targeted and very focused goals. And the fact that we are, again, bringing that through our entire organization. So they're seeing the fact that all of us are working towards those same goals. And uh, it's not um, rare to find where, you know, everyone with their organization, they're they're doing what they have to do and they're, you know, meeting their smart objectives and their goals. But, but when you look back, it's almost as if everybody's taking a different road to get there rather mm. than being able to say, you know, we want to go from point A to point B. How do we all work together um, to achieve that uh, goal or that point? Um, so that has been a, a very unique process for us that we have taken. And, and truly, um, we are seeing the fruits of our labor as we get closer to the year, and we're seeing those numbers. Wow. So it's almost like, you, you know, you have departmental goals and those you know seemed good and everything but what really if i'm hearing you right kind of what focused on this last year was making sure those departmental goals were all aligned and pointed toward the one or two or three main overall company goals um i mean how did you logistically or how, how was that facilitated i mean how what's that look like well for us um brad and kate for for us we uh it, uh, frankly, it was a, a bit of a different process. We had just completed and we had spent some time and it was a, a, a very good exercise, but we had just spent our time uh, mapping out what was going to be our 2017 strategy, somewhat similar to what we did for the prior year, 2016, where we saw growth and, and uh, you know, obviously the plans worked. But this year, what we identified was the need to have accelerators. So here's the plan, but we needed to figure out how within the plan we were going to identify accelerators that were going to give us a growth that we have frankly not seen in the past in a, in a number that we knew from an industry perspective was going to be some somewhat of a challenge. So um, we went through this process, again, the um, strategic acceleration process. And one of the first things that we did was, hey, we had a vision, you know, we, we, we knew uh, from an from a organization perspective we had a vision but what what we were missing is we were missing the 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 clarity of how do you make that vision into an actual plan how do you take um, a vision and make it very very clear to be able to bring clarity very precise clarity as to the accelerators that were going to support those goals. So in strategic accelerator, there's three areas um, and three areas that we were um, very quickly uh, versed in and that we went through this process as an executive team. We talked about the importance of having clarity. You know, what is it that we want to achieve? Um, how are we going to get there? What's, what's in it um, in terms of for the organization, who's gonna win by us having clarity of that vision and our goals? And then we went into the process of, how do you have 
focus or you so you, you're clear as to what you want but how do you bring focus when it's the hardest piece right you, you develop a strategy for the year it's a lot of hard work a lot of data a lot of analysis you come with a plan but then it's so easy to go back into your office and lose focus so through that process of having clarity we identify high leverage activities that were going to support those accelerators that we agreed and we quantified what those accelerators were going to do for the business. So that was again a very different process and then you could have all that but if you don't think about the execution part of it and for us the execution or, or really through this model the execution was how do you ensure that you're not doing the same things that you're accustomed to doing because if you do the same things that you've always done, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get the same results. Mm -hmm. So how are you going to ensure that these accelerators that you've identified, that you're focusing on, how do you make sure that you execute and bring people with you? Well, and I'm so, curious, so, sorry to Victoria, mm -hmm. but I do have a question on that. I'm curious because you had mentioned the company had been growing, right? I mean, it wasn't, uh, there was growth there, which I'm intrigued because it would be very tempting to say, hey, we, we've grown the last couple of years or year over year or whatever. So why don't we just keep doing the same thing? I mean, what made you want to still take a different approach for this year? Well, one, we, we were given um, a, a goal and mandate, and I think it's um, absolutely always in, um, important to have um, a goal, a number, uh, um, whether it's in, from a business perspective or frankly from, from a personal perspective, have goals that make you feel uncomfortable. The goal that we had was to double our growth. And I got to tell you, <laughs> that's pretty lofty. That's very lofty. So, um, and that's what we wanted to do. Let's, let's shoot high and let's put these numbers out there because if you don't have those um, the, the goals that are going to get you to think differently you're not going to achieve it our, our minds our human minds are an amazing thing you know we we for the most part do what we think and say that we are going to do right mm -hmm. so if you extend and and, and uh, really uh, believe and expect beyond uh, normal, then you're, you're going to achieve that. And um, we, from an executive standpoint, we, we were on board, but of course, bringing people along with you is also important. Yeah, I had a thought too along, I, I'm just curious, uh, and, may, and maybe we'll, you know, we're ultimately going to, to get to that. The accelerator, I'm, I'm looking to how we define, or you define, or, or Tony helped you all define an accelerator. Double, and if your goal was to double the growth that you've had, did you then go back to some pretty, um, and, and forgive the term, but standard fare, accepted ways that our businesses uh, function and, and therefore could grow? So did you look at, you know, at, at the party and what the party did or does? Did you look at the host programs? Did you look at your comp plan? What, did, what kinds of things did you all look at that you knew you needed to do something to it, with it, for it um, to create that double growth objective? For, for us, uh, the accelerators were really built into that um, plan and strategy that I, that I shared earlier in terms of you know, looking at uh, specifics that were going to uh, provide 
um, what you would call part of the plan, what, what the accelerator allowed us to do is narrow each of these, call it plans, activities that were outlined and identify which of these, if we focus, if there were a high leverage activity, if we focus and we came together to support it, which of these would have a significant impact in our business? And rather than doing the 30 things that we originally had said that we were going to do as a strategic plan, and it's easy to get there because when you when you put all the departments together, you know it's very easy mm -hmm. to look at um, you know 20, 30, 30 items. What we did was we stepped back, we identified, and we put some numbers to it. We said, okay, if we put all of our efforts um, in in these areas, what could they deliver for us? And um, What's amazing is that as we, as we have um, get started executing the plan and have had um, those monthly touch points, which is a critical, absolutely critical step within any plan. You know what? What you don't measure, you don't get results. And and measuring and updating and reviewing as a as a as a team and having that accountability is absolutely critical. And what we are finding out and what we're seeing is that those things that we said were going to be accelerators, those uh, goals that we put in place, we are achieving them one by one. Now, in any plan, are there going to be some twists and turns throughout a year? Uh, it, it, yes, ab absolutely. Those things will happen. But what has... Um, what those accelerators through this strategic process has allowed us to do is always go back to those, mm -hmm. report on those, evaluate, um, and determine are those same, uh, accelerators, are they going to be the same ones that are going to drive us in the future, or is there an opportunity to revisit and uh, readjust to, again, continue growth, but um, focusing on different accelerators. So. That's uh, the process that we have um, taken, and it's a process that I truly recommend and think has brought a lot of value to the organization. Today, we speak the same language, which I got to tell you, that is one of the hardest um, elements of any organization where you're talking uh, in terms of plans and strategies. We are today saying the same words. We are talking high leverage activity. We are talking in terms of our, you know, are those the accelerators? Uh, we're, we're talking about the same level of growth. We're measuring the same numbers. We come together uh, as an organization in uh, team meetings and we're reporting out on the same um, aspects. So that has brought uh, a consistency through the organization that we did not have in the past. So. Um, that's a little bit about how we've gone about it. Now, needless to say, growth comes out of executing a plan that makes sense, right? There has to have been a lot of thinking in terms of what those accelerators would be, um, a lot of thinking in terms of what your plan looks like. Uh, it, so it, it's a combination, but that process has definitely helped us. Well, and Victoria, too, I think I cut you off, but you mentioned there were three parts to the process. You mentioned clarity and focus. Uh, just to make sure, I'm sure there's some people sitting there waiting. What was that third one? What What was the third part of that? So you're right, Brett. So we talked about clarity. We talked about focus, and last but but not least is execution. And I think we all know about execution, the the importance of it. You could have the best plans in the world, 
but if you don't have um, the right execution, and again, as I, I, I said several times, because I find this to be such a critical part to plans, which is bringing people along with you. Uh, having you know having supporters along the process having people that are that feel accountable to, towards uh, those results and it goes beyond an executive level it goes beyond a leadership it's really having everyone within your organization believing it uh, and then believing it feeling having passion for it knowing and, and it almost expecting now our organization expects that we report out on those accelerators that we report out on our plans and it's it's extremely exciting and of course growth does that you know when you're meeting your plans you're growing that that is um, uh, a byproduct victoria i'm curious as you're looking at hey here's a hard goal for this year right for 12 months and if you don't achieve it in 12 months then obviously you don't hit that goal how did you and the team balance decisions you had to make to reach that goal versus decisions that had to be made and addressed to address longer term goals, you know, like three year goals or five year goals or, you know, how did you, how do you work through that? Uh, part, you know, that's, that's a good question because um, for us uh, as a um, organization, again, that's 53 years old and, and we're, um, you know, there's every, every aspect of our business right now is being revisited. I mean, there's not, there's not one area that there's not opportunities for us to, to expand, to um, further develop. Um, when I say every area from our, our, our digital to our, to our marketing, to our back end systems, there's, there's so much there. Uh, but through this process, we have had also clarity in terms of what it is that we need to do to grow the business further. So the decisions that that uh, we are making today are with the lenses of making sure that that they're not short term, but they're truly long term. So it is um, it is that marriage of what do we need to do? What accelerators do we need to do that are going to get us our goals? But none of those accelerators should contradict or um, not be aligned with what you want to do in the future, at least for us. And they definitely um, connected the two. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. What, uh, you know, one thing you mentioned that I think is just so important to bring up, Kate, I'm sure you've seen it too, but so many companies, they might, you know, start the year with a strategic plan or have an offsite or a retreat or whatever. But you mentioned those monthly meetings, those checkpoints, you know, where everyone's coming back and, and that's where you're talking the same language, you're, you're aware of the same things, you're shooting for the same goals. And I think that's so, you know, people talk so much about culture. And I mean, culture comes down to the, the vocabulary, right? And mm -hmm. the things we say and the stuff we read and what we're aware of. And again, those monthly checkpoints and, and realizing, hey, we've got a plan. We're all, none of us are, you know, probably great planners, right? As far as, I mean, something's not gonna go the way we planned it would. So we're gonna be great respondents to whatever those differences are and course correct very quickly. And I, I have to assume that was a, a huge difference maker uh, for you. Absolutely. I, I can't say enough about the importance and the discipline of having those checkpoints. And this, those checkpoints could be different. I mean, they don't, they don't necessarily have to look the same every month. For us, we have instituted a monthly uh, meeting where we review all of
of our accelerator and, and also all our plans and to determine where are we. We do um, quite a bit in terms of post analysis from a marketing perspective. I, I believe in um, evaluating and analyzing what, what happened. Um, so we, we do quite a bit every month and then every quarter we get together uh, with a broader group and that we bring in to have, um, it's a combination of, of reviewing the, um, the, the strategy and accelerators, but also infusing it with some, some, some knowledge, whether it's an aspect of, of training, an aspect of um, taking a particular uh, topic and going deeper. And that way there's also value. It's not a, from, a, from an, um company and organization standpoint, those that participate not only get the, this is what's happening and these are the results, but they leave that, those particular meetings with a feeling of, wow, it was, it was worth it because it was uh, something that I left with that is going to help me support the plans and understand how it all connects. So that has been a, um, a relatively new discipline for us to, to do these uh, consistently, monthly, and also quarterly. But um, I, I could absolutely see the value. And of course, we're, we all are always busy, and there's so much on our calendars and meetings and so forth. Sometimes you just wonder, yeah, you know, we're, we're doing good. We really need to meet this month, and then you leave there, and and it's also feel good if you know if you're if if the numbers and, and, uh, and the plants are coming through, then you feel you, you leave there with um, a feeling of a, of a win. So definitely uh, for us, and I would definitely encourage it. Kate, I'm going to put you on the spot. We're about to go in the lightning round, but I want to ask you so far, what's your biggest takeaway, especially as you think of other direct sales companies that you work with? I mean, what what is Victoria talked about? You're like, oh, if, if other companies could get this, that would be awesome. I think it's that continuity of communication. Uh, once you've determined, you know, the goals, the accelerators, the plan, this, you know, the strategy. Once all that's in place, then what is that continuity of communication uh, amongst your peers, amongst department heads, amongst you know, whatever whatever that looks like? I'm hearing monthly and quarterly. Uh, is there, and you know, I would have questions about: Is there anything beyond that? What do you do to keep the process moving forward? Do you have, you know, are there you know, many meetings? Uh, in between, but I, I think it, it, it always comes back to that continuity of communication, and you said it there at the very end, sometimes you're challenged with uh, time and devoting time to it, and you're feeling good because everything's looking good. You you, you know personally that you're on plan in your department, um, so you, you question maybe the value of getting together and then realize when you walk away, it's awesome, and yeah. it's, it's just is what you needed. So I, I just say, for me, it's always about that continuity of communication throughout all departments um, and whatever that looks like for the company so that nobody tends to stray. Or if they do, there's a way to um, you know, get, the, get the cane out and hook them back into place um, so, that they, and so that they feel good about it too. Um, so everybody stays uh, on task and executes in tandem. Yeah. And absolutely, Kate, to, to, your, to your point, um, it, it definitely, all these uh, types of conversations and review can't wait for a month. That's just what you're, you're, uh, you're meeting with your, your own teams, sometimes it's uh, cross-functional teams, but obviously those discussions um, are happening um, throughout the year and not necessarily having to wait for a quarterly meeting or, or a monthly meeting, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. That's well, let's jump into kind of our lightning round of questions. I'm going to challenge us here, like I would anyone else. Uh, this is a, a list of questions we ask every guest, and 
ask that you give short answers, but uh, poignant ones and helpful ones. And I'm actually going to start off, Victoria, with one you don't know is coming, but you'll have no problem answering that, I promise. Um, <laughs> and that is, uh, give us an idea of how your department works. Like what reports into you, what either departments or, or functionalities, what falls under your leadership? Under marketing for Princess House, I have product development, communication, and creative. Also are the digital uh, group, and I work very closely with uh, incentives and promotions, and that used to be under marketing, but we have um, joined the efforts with, with sales. Gotcha. Excellent. As you look ahead three years from now, what excites you the most about direct selling? Wow. Um, what excites me the most is sometimes what worries me the most. And uh, what, what excites me the most is that we truly have uh, it, it, just an amazing opportunity to take individuals, and I think of uh, millennials as a, as a perfect group that, you know, they want the empowerment of being their own boss, of leading their lives, of not... Um, of, of, of having all those dreams come through and and I and I see this amazing opportunity that everything that they're looking for is right here this industry has been waiting for them we have we have um, not only uh, the product but the, the people connection we have um, the ability to be truly authentic of who we are our history so all those things I think are right for us to be able to speak to the next generation which in turn also worries me because I think if we as an industry do not understand this next generation of millennials and what they want, what they're seeking, then we're not going to be relevant for them. Yeah, good answer. Good, well said. Yeah, as I, and as I talk to millennials uh, in what I do on a daily basis, I, I actually sometimes literally go into confusion and I'm thinking, you know, if I were your mother, um, I would recommend this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's, um, it, it's both refreshing and um, exceedingly, um, uh, and not scary, and I guess I guess it should even be exciting um, because it, it represents a brave new world out there um, you know, through, their, through them and what they're doing in their eyes. Want me to take the next one? I think we kind of covered the first two. Um, uh, sure, excites sure. Um, so let's go with the third one there. What's the one thing you think, Victoria, the rest of the world most misunderstands about our wonderful world of direct selling? I would, I would have to say that there's um, a lack of, of understanding or, or um, misunderstanding in terms that uh, direct selling, it, it's, it's just an opportunity rather than a, a real career. Um, you often um, hear individuals say, oh, you're going into direct selling as a, as a hobby, as a, something that you want to do to kind of fill your time. Or, and instead, it's a, it's, what we offer is the opportunity for someone to have their own business, their own career. And that is um, my hopes is with time, we could also shift the mindset in that area. Mm -hmm. Good one. What, you know, we're all trying to be more productive. So think about yourself, think about your day-to-day. -day. What is a specific tip you can share with other direct selling execs or execs overall, right? That, that just helps you be more productive in your day-to-day -day work. 
know, it, it's been something that I've been doing for a while. I just didn't define it this way, and I um, are, I'm now defining it differently because it was it was described differently. I would always put on my calendar these little um, gaps of time where I would just say I I have to you know be able to sort of put things in 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 perspective, organize, and now I put them as thinking time. And what I realize is that I need in my day a little bit of time to do something as simple as think. <laughs> <laughs> and, and thinking is not simple, but um, and, and we're all busy. I mean, I, I know my calendar is 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 quite um, crazy at times, but I have, and every single day, I have a few minutes that I put in there and I put, do not block, it is thinking time. And uh, and that's exactly what it is, and we all need it. That yep. is awesome. Yep, you know, I, I, what I do is I get up um, about every, you know, every, I try to do it like five times a day. I get up and do 50 jumping jacks. Because I <laughs> if, I, if I get up and move, and particularly if I just start sitting, find myself sitting there staring at the computer, um, that worries me. So I get up and do 50 jumping jacks. Um, it doesn't do anything else other than just stir the blood, but hey, uh, it works to get me back on task again. So a key question for you, Kate, have you done that while we've been on the podcast here at all? <laughs> Yeah, I'll take the fifth on that uh, at the moment. Oh, I got you. Okay, take so, the next so, one. Okay, I sure will. Uh, so what's your fave book or do you have a fave book or an online resource that you would recommend to us out here? I have uh, tons of books, but one of the, the uh, emails that I get on a daily basis and I, and I, it, truly enjoy it and there's times that um, it's not necessarily 100% relative to our industry which I sometimes love even more because it gives you some great ideas is um, tip of the day from Harvard Business Review mm -hmm. and uh, they come in they're, um, at, they're, they're exceptional there's uh, quite a bit in terms of business digital consumer insights sometimes it's just in general so uh, love to start my day with um, with just you know with that email Super. Nice. I like it. I wrote that down. Mm -hmm. Is there a tool that either you use or your company uses regularly that you would recommend to other executives? I would say what I what I referred to um, earlier in terms of our um, updating and looking at your um, the strategic um, accelerators and your strategic plan. We use. Um, a document. I mean, it's it's the strategic action plan document, and uh, it's it's a form that um, again captures all those uh, specific accelerator plans, allows you to update. It. Everyone gets a copy. Everyone updates the same document, and it's been a tool that has uh, helped in terms of communication. It's a tool that keeps us consistent. And um, for some of us, you know, we some love PowerPoint, others, you know, love Excel and so forth. This is one document that we all agree as um, an executive team and as a leadership team to use. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's a, that sounds like a good one. I like that. Uh, so uh, last but not least, uh, and uh, maybe you've already started formulating your New Year's resolutions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> People are plan ahead kind of people up there. Uh, you know, what what you have a personal goal for next year, or something you could share with us that you think um, that you're going to focus on for yourself? Well, I, I start always with a with a pretty 
long list and I'm already thinking about it, but the one that I have taken action, and I actually mentioned it to Brett uh, this week, and I'm really personally excited about it, living in the Northeast and having uh, Harvard University nearby, you figure you have to do something, you know, you have to connect uh, your, your uh, background somehow with Harvard. So I am um, um, looking forward to starting a program. It's a Harvard postgraduate uh, strategic management program. So that's a personal goal. I've, that's something that I've always wanted um, to have and, and do. So I am looking forward to it. And I just want to add a few hours to my day. <laughs> Good luck with that. If you, if you find them, you have to share. Okay. Right. That is awesome, though, Victoria. I mean, that is very impressive. I'd be excited, too. So thank you for being with us on this. This has been a great episode, and I don't want it to stop, but it probably needs to. Um, so, Victoria, you've been great. Is there any information, either ways that people can connect with Princess House or connect with you that you want to share here? Absolutely. Um, you can email me at vvilbrandt at princesshouse.com or um, probably that's the easiest way, or you could connect with me on, on Facebook, on, on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thank you, Victoria. Kate, any closing words from you? Well, no, just a huge thanks and big warm hugs and, you know, and hi to Connie and, uh, and friends up there. So thank you so much for joining us today. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it, Victoria. Thank you, guys. Have a great weekend. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening and for joining us today on the Juice Podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it. And again, Victoria, thank you so much. We are signing off. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us on this episode. That was a great one. Uh, I love digging into strategy like that and not just talking about strategy, but how do you implement strategy? How do you create a strategic culture? And it certainly sounds like Victoria and the rest of the team at Princess House has really done a great job there. Uh, make sure you go to the website, thejuicepodcast.com. All of our show notes are there. Also, you can leave a comment for us. We'd love your feedback and your input, maybe topics that you'd like to see us cover. And we'll certainly uh, track that down. Or even if you're a direct selling executive, you're interested in uh, being a part of one of our episodes, we would love that. So just reach out to us there. Uh, you can definitely rate the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you're listening through and to. Um, and also we ask, since this is really in the early days of the podcast, would you share this with the people around your office? If you've enjoyed this, they obviously will too. And we have so many different topics coming up. Uh, really to run the gamut as far as running a direct sales company, what goes into that. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun and certainly would help us spread the word. So just forward the link on, whatever you need to do, tell them about it, make sure we get them on it. want to mention our sponsors for this episode. The first is Strategic Choice Partners. Uh, that is uh, the company of which I am a managing principal and we are dedicated to providing expertise and innovation for today's direct selling company. We offer consulting services and other uh, services as well to help you optimize pretty much any and every part of your business. Uh, so we'd love to hear from you if you need a little help in any areas or want to actually grow faster or optimize certain parts of your business. Go to strategicchoicepartners.com slash join. And when you do that, you can create a free account. Uh, once you do that, you get instant access to over 10 hours of training. The training covers everything from convention planning to market marketing and sales road mapping to communications planning to IT uh, planning and strategy. Lots of different things all within their comp plan design. And it's all there for you for free, absolutely free, and we're adding to it all the time. So strategicchoicepartners.com slash join. 
Our other sponsor is Gardner and Company, led by my co-host Kate Gardner. Uh, they specialize in executive search and talent acquisition and are 100% focused on the direct selling industry. So when you have a need pop up on your team, you're looking for that next A player, make sure that you reach out to Kate. You can reach her at kate at gardnercollc.com. So again, thank you for joining us today. Go to thejuicepodcast.com, all the show notes and so much more. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Juice.